Welcome everybody. If you're joining us or just joining us, feel free to let us know where you are zooming in from in the chat box. And today's topic is guidance for businesses, economic recovery and loan programs. And we have joining us from the U.S. Small Business Administration, Mr. Janelle K. Taylor. He is an economic development specialist with the administration. And we are really excited to have you join us today. It's important information and we thank you. And I'm gonna go ahead and get us started. DScoop's happy to bring you this content. And I just had a few housekeeping tips as we get started. Everybody's on mute to start, just to help us minimize background noise. If you do have questions, please post them in the Q&A window. That's a little easier for us to see versus the chat window, and we'll read it for Janelle to answer. We are recording today's webinar. It'll be available on dscoop.com soon, and we'll send you that link. You can replay it. You can share it with others in your company or other business people that you would like to have access to this information. And if you have additional questions after the webinar or if somebody's watching it on replay, you can send us those at hello at dscoop.org or in our forums on dscoop.com, and we'll make sure we get the answers for you. So with that, I would like to stop sharing my screen, and I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Taylor. All right. Well, good morning. Excuse me. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, hopefully, everyone is staying safe out there. Hopefully, everyone can see the screen. Uh, as it's been said, uh, my name is uh, Janelle Taylor, and I am one of the economic development specialists uh, that's working out of the Georgia District Office. Uh, we do have a uh, have multiple teams, uh, I would say. Uh, but I'm definitely uh, one of the uh, team members uh, that's working out of the, like I said, the Georgia District Office. And just to kind of give you guys a uh, kind of like a look behind the curtain, I'm going to be talking about a few things. Uh, as uh, COVID-19 hit uh, everyone across America, obviously the SBA took, uh, was called upon to take a big lead you know, being an arm of government uh, to assist with the recovery effort. When you think about the SBA as 100%, you know, of our entire staff, let's say only 20% of that 100% was actually uh, our disaster uh, team. So imagine the 20% of the SBA getting hit with 100% of all the questions and loan requests uh throughout the whole united states and i want to talk a little bit about uh how big that impact was but i'm also going to talk about uh, other programs that we have that's available uh, because now it's really dwindled down to when it comes to the COVID relief it really has dwindled down to the economic injury disaster law which i will touch on uh towards the end of this presentation but I'll also let you know what the difference is between the economic development loan and also the uh, the PPP, excuse me, the emergency injury disaster loan. So these are the two uh, modular uh, COVID-19 programs uh, that was rolled out, that really rolled out of the CARES Act. 
that really got out and touched the community. Obviously, many of you are uh, very familiar, have at least heard of these two programs. So I'm going to, you know, dig into those uh, a little bit for you. Uh, the PPP, this one, you know, uh, uh, gained national acclaim, so to speak. There was a lot of people who uh, applied for the PPP, who were successful in getting uh, awards. Uh, and I'm telling you, this one is, a, it, it was a, a, an aggressive effort. This was the second program to roll out because really the economic injury disaster loan was the first. Uh, but as we figured out that this whole COVID-19 was gonna play a bigger role in the economy and some of the larger businesses may need assistance in keeping their employees paid, uh, the federal government uh, rolled out this program, you know, versus the name, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, in this particular program, uh, it was originally supposed to be just for for-profit entities. Uh, most people do not know that the SBA, uh, by the laws that we're governed by, uh, we're only allowed to work with for-profit entities. Uh, but because this COVID-19 uh, national pandemic was so devastating and so specific, the federal government decided to open up our services to nonprofits as well. So you remember when I told you in the beginning that you know out of the 100% of the SBA staff, only 20% actually work in the disaster department. And that 20% was faced with actually 100% of running uh, the pandemic or the COVID-19 responses. So you can imagine the work overload of the millions of, millions on top of millions of applications uh, that were submitted uh, seeking funding. But as you see from the slide in front of you, uh, the 501c3s, uh, the 501c19 uh, veteran organization, tribals, some of the hospitals, and some of the other, uh, all of those are, are new, I'm going to say, to the SBA uh, program or the new eligibility uh, folks that are now able to take advantage of the products that we have. One of the biggest things about the PPP was that the number one thing that it was designed to do was to, like I said before, was to keep your employees paid. So when it, the program originally rolled out, it was rolled out on a 75, 25 uh, percentile um, split, meaning that 75% of the total amount of the you received in PPP must have went to payroll. Now, if you're a team of one or you have a team of 200, uh, nonetheless, 75% of those funds had to go towards payroll. Now, this is based off of your 2019 um, taxes. So if you were making X amount of dollars or salaries in 2019, and that's what you listed on your tax return, then that's how you were able to justify your salary or the salaries of your employees uh, during the COVID, the, COVID, the COVID pandemic, excuse me. Uh, one of the things that, you know, the government did not want to see was uh, 
see an individual give themselves a raise, you know, during the pandemic. So that's one of those things that they're using as a tool to gauge whether or not, uh, you know, how honest the applicants really were uh, during this whole process. Uh, I will get a little deeper into uh, the interest rates. Uh, for the PPP, it's really pretty simple. Uh, it's really 1%. Uh, and it has to be paid back within uh, six months of your uh, original disbursement. That's when you have to start paying it back. Not paying back in full, but that's when the payments have to start, which makes it uh, significantly different than the idle loan, which I'll go over. But outside of payroll, as you see, you know, the money can go towards interest on your mortgage, obviously your utility payments, uh, you know, obviously you can pay your rent and obviously the mortgage on your business, that's obvious. Uh, but other debts that, you know, that were listed on your 2019 tax returns as uh, business expenses. So I advise you highly to find an accountant that is very familiar with the PPP and what's allowed and what's not allowed and make sure that you listen to your accountant because at the end of the day, that's who's gonna keep you out of trouble. Uh, and they should be advising you on exactly what these funds can be used for, what they cannot. But traditionally, uh, just in a general sense, it's all business expenses. So, if you need to figure out how to uh, calculate, you know, how much PPP I would have been uh, eligible for, uh, there is ways to calculate that on the website. As it states right now, the PPP is not currently available. The window for the PPP actually closed August 10th, but that is uh, tentative as this is something that maybe uh, starting back up in the fall months, because as you know, uh, Dr. Fauci uh, has stated that they anticipate another spike in cases happening. And if that does happen, then obviously the federal government has to go and look at, you know, what we can do to help uh, continue to service the citizens. So just in general, this should let you know about uh, the PPP, it is, you know, up to 10 million and it had a five year maximum term, which is a lot different from the idle, which has a 30 year term and only a $2 million limit. Uh, and the interest rate, as I stated earlier, is just 1%. Uh, the idle loan is actually 3.75 for businesses and 2.75 for nonprofits. So you can see a big difference in uh, how you can actually, on the actual repayment of those funds. Uh, and as I stated earlier, can only be used for payroll and expenses. Now you see that 24 weeks, that 24 weeks, uh, the reason why it's 24 weeks is the, gov the federal government initially came out with what they call the eight week uh, covered period, which means that the funds that you receive from the from uh, the federal government was supposed to cover initially an eight week period because when the COVID initially hit, 
it was determined by the federal government, hey, this should be over in a couple months. We're just going to put out eight weeks, you know, just to kind of protect everyone, just say eight weeks. But when they found out that COVID was actually a little bit going to be more of a problem than a two-month problem, it was extended to 24 weeks. So that's why you were able to leverage uh, additional funds. Now, say the funds that you do leverage uh, eventually end up uh, uh, being dispersed prior to the eight or the 24 weeks, then obviously you can only be judged on however long uh, you had the funds or the funds were able to be spread out to uh, throughout your, your payroll or your expenses. But as you see here, uh, a lot of this information uh, was really, as our district director stated, is really like uh, building an airplane that's already on the runway and getting ready to take off, you know, and you still have people working on it as it's taken off. That I thought was the perfect analogy uh, in regards to what the SBA was faced with uh, in regards to actually rolling out this loan program. But as you can see toward the bottom of this slide where it says, you know, uh, collateral based personal guarantees are no, uh, is it forgivable? Uh, yes. Uh, and the maximum uh, payment deferment is going to be 10 months after your first initial uh, disbursement. How does it work? The borrower actually submits the request to the lender. The lender, in turn, submits uh, the request to the SBA for a loan guarantee. The SBA approves the guarantee, then the lender disperses the funds. Now, that in real short talk means that uh you would you the business owner would have to contact the lender the lender in turn would have to submit the request uh to the sba for the loan guarantee because the ppp is actually a loan guarantee of funds to the bank it's really the bank's money it's not the federal government's money it's the bank's money and what we're doing is just guaranteeing the bank loan uh, at 100%, which is unprecedented. Uh, before, the highest that we would do is 90, and you would have to be exporting at a high level uh, to get the 90% guarantee on the, the transfer of funds from a commercial bank to a foreign entity. That's the reason why that guarantee was so high, because you know you can only imagine, you know, not all shipments make it back to the United States. There's all types of things that happen in transit. So that's the reason why the guarantee was so high. Uh, and it would be as low as 50%. So 50 to 90% is traditional, as high as the SBA go, depending on which type of loan program uh, you were interested in. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a loan guarantee. And in most cases, it's the bank's money. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. I initially said earlier that 75% of the PPP payroll uh, had to go towards payroll. The federal government, as time went on, uh, decided to relax that number and roll it back to 60%. So, which means that at least 60% of the 100% of the money that you received had to go towards your payroll, which gave you 40% instead of 25% 
of the money you receive to go towards expenses. Because feedback that the 25% was just a such a small amount and that there were other things, you know, in regards to lease payments and uh, benefits and uh, some of the other things that's, or that were associated with your business that the 25% uh, really needed to be expanded. So uh, the federal government listened and they rolled it back to 60%. And that's where uh, the program stands, stands to this day uh, in regards to the amount that must go towards payroll. Now, one of the tricky parts of this whole thing was that uh, when the unemployment benefit rolled out, that there were a lot of employees who didn't want to go to work, go back to work because they were making more money on unemployment than they were working. And that really put the business in a situation because they, in order for them to qualify for the PPP, they had to maintain uh, their payroll. So which means that you had to maintain your employees and you could not slip between, you know, uh, no more than 25% on the amount of employees that you have, whether it's full-time employees or the amount you were paying them. You had to stay within a 25% ratio. So if you, if you have, say, five employees, two of those employees uh, decided not to come back uh, to work for whatever reason, uh, that put the business in jeopardy of not being able to uh, qualify for loan forgiveness, which means that they would have to be on the hook to repay those funds back to the federal government. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, this was extended from an eight-week term to a 24-week term. Uh, and at the end of the day, everything has to be documented. So that's what that blue cube on the bottom right is talking about. Uh, if it did not go to payroll, which you have to verify payroll, but any other expense, you know, you must have a receipt. And the SBA can go back and look at uh, this information at any time. Uh, they did not give themselves a, a time limit as far as our auditors. They did not give themselves a time limit. Uh, so they feel that you know, we need to take another look at this particular business's uh, request, they're able to do so. So some of the things, you know, uh, there's no black and white per se uh, in every case. In some cases there's a gray area. So the safe harbors are that gray area, okay, that the SBA actually, you know, will understand. And these are the five areas, you know. Uh, so for employee, as I stated earlier, uh, just says, hey, I, I, I don't wanna work for you anymore. You know, that's one, you know, we, we have to give you time to hire someone, you know, if that's the case. Or if, you know, you had to fire your employee for cause, you know, for whatever reason, the employee just wasn't working out. Or, you know, the employee just voluntarily just resigned, you know. Uh, because there wasn't enough hours, enough work to go around to keep them employed. Uh, so they just resigned the position. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, the borrower uh, may not be able to operate because they were exposed to uh, COVID-19. You know, obviously if you have COVID-19, you can't come to work. Otherwise, you know, you will put your, your employees at danger. So that's something that's, uh, that's understood. And 
you must have already had a certain level of full-time uh, full-time employees uh, or a number saying, okay, this is really where we were where we were heading. Because when COVID hit, you know, you may have already had plans on reducing some staff. Which you can show proof that that's what you're going to do. That's another safe harbor. But the forgiveness process is pretty simple. Uh, the funds have to be submitted, excuse me, the request has to be submitted to the lender. And in a lot of this, uh, the lender may not necessarily be one of the big banks. You know, it may be a smaller lender, you know, uh, even PayPal and Cabbage and some of the other smaller uh, lenders got into the game because quite honestly, the federal, the federal government needed assistance. Just imagine the request that we received for, from for-profit businesses, and then when you add uh, non-profits on top of that, that just doubled the amount of requests that you know, we had to process. So as I stated earlier, 100% of the SBA, but only 20% of the, of the SBA was actually working this process. Obviously, you know, the rest of us had to step in where we could, but we're not all privileged to see, you know, everyone's banking information, you know, uh, their loan application, which has what we call, uh, you know, privileged or sensitive information that's limited to certain people that are, are allowed to see that information. So, which really uh, handcuffed us in regards to giving updates because we're just, everyone's not authorized to see your applications. But nonetheless, once you submit your information to your lender, the lender in turn uh, has 60 days uh, to submit it to the SBA. The SBA uh, is gonna give their response back uh, to the borrower, to the, excuse me, to the lender. And once the lender has its uh, information, they have actually five days to let you know what the SBA's determination was, whether or not your request was approved or not. Five days uh, to let you know whether or not you were approved from the SBA. This is what I had stated earlier. Uh, as of August 8th, the PPP in regards to applying for it, uh, it has uh, set uh, but it's really sitting idle at this point, you know, it hasn't totally disappeared because we're doing a, a, a lot of uh, PPP uh, forgiveness applications at this time, but it's sitting idle depending on whether or not we get another spike. So that's why I wanted to really uh, still show you guys what the program was about and some of the pitfalls other program. Now, the economic injury disaster loan. This was the first loan uh, to roll out from the CARES Act. Now, this particular loan does come directly from the SBA, which is unprecedented because 90% of the time, uh, the SBA doesn't do any direct lending to, to, uh, to businesses. The only time the SBA does any direct lending is when we have a national disaster. Now, and what I mean by national disaster, 
hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, things of that nature. The SBA shows up on the scene and they're able to cut checks directly to the businesses to kind of speed up the recovery. That's the, the, uh, the rationale for that. Other than that, the SBA uh, hires uh, others to actually do a lot of the loan uh, due diligence uh, in regards to a lot of the servicing of the loans. But this particular loan program, the IDLE loan for short, uh, this one is actually comes directly from the SBA, AKA the federal government. Uh, and it's a really our job to service the loan. Because you imagine servicing the loans, that's, that requires more staff, more people, you know. So it just makes sense for the SBA to recruit banks or secondary lenders to do uh, that heavy lifting uh, for us. But 12 month period, you know, prior to, that's why I was telling you guys, your 2019 uh, tax returns are pivotal in regards to uh, applying for the idle and how much of the idle that you were able to apply for. Uh, the cost of goods sold. If you don't know how to calculate your cost of goods sold, I highly advise you to speak with your accountant about that, or I would advise you to contact your local uh, UGA Small Business Development Center. The, U the University of Georgia holds the contract here in Georgia with the SBA to actually provide hands-on assistance with business growth. So whether it's you know, helping you with a marketing plan, helping you with some industry analysis, that's the, the Small Business Development Center's mission. And they actually do that work on the, you know, to assist the SBA, because we actually, we, we actually pay over half of their budget uh, to offer that assistance. A lot of people don't, didn't know that. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what's the difference between the SBA or the SBDC or the, the Women's Business Center and some of the others. Uh, and if you look at it in an organizational chart, uh, the SBA will be at the top of that organizational chart because we are an arm of government. You know, we're not an association. You know, we're not an organization. It's an actual administration uh, with an appointed administrator from the president. And it's that person's uh, job to actually roll out uh, these programs. So, you know, you hear a lot of uh, the politicians always talk about creating jobs. And that's really the SBA's job function. Most people think that the SBA is strictly here to pass out loan funds. And at the end of the day, that's uh, part of what we do is help finance business growth. But SBA is really a job creation uh, arm of government because in our mission is to help the United States government's economy uh, grow the economy by helping small businesses create jobs. And how do you create jobs? It's through investment and through growth. 
So at the end of the day, the SBA is a job creation function. That's what we want to see. We want to see you guys hiring people. That's how we have a vibrant economy is when businesses grow. Pretty much that simple. But getting back to this slide, the nonprofits also had to uh, have a 12 month, you know, prior uh, to the disaster period where they had to document, say, actually, you know, we really did have an, uh, an economic injury because of COVID. Now, once you go through this whole process, you know, you're filling out your SBA form 3502, uh, that which is a pretty significant form. Uh, but there's also what we call a 3502EZ. So if you're just a sole proprietorship, it's just you, a one-man show or one-woman show, that would be the that would be the form that you would fill out. You would fill out the 3502EZ and not the 3502 long form. But if you have multiple employees, you would have to fill out the 3502. And the auto loan is still available. Uh, up until December 31st, 2020. But once you provide all the information and uh, certify that everything that you, you listed was actual and factual, you put your John Hancock down on the bottom line and submit your application. And remember, this particular loan program goes directly to the federal government. So it bypasses the banks altogether. I touched on a couple of these uh, earlier when talking about the PPP in regards to the terms and the differences between the PPP and the idle. Uh, remember that the idle, uh, excuse me, that the PPP limit was 10 million. Now you see the idle is two. You know, the maximum term was two years, uh, excuse me, five years with the PPP. This particular one is 30 years. You know, you had a 1% interest rate versus a 3.75% interest rate or a 2.75% interest rate if you're a nonprofit. Big difference, longer term, stretched out, lower dollar amounts. Uh, the majority of people obviously would, would qualify more so for the idle than the PPP. Uh, are personal guarantees required? Yes. Anything over 200000 uh, collateral, yes, you know, anything over 25000 Is it forgivable? No. The difference between this one is that, you know, you had a full 12 months before it had to be paid back versus uh, the 10. And actually that took a change because they're actually starting to pay that back already. Many people are in regards to PPP, just to get ahead of it. So this is some of the, uh, the frequently asked questions, uh, you know, what small businesses are eligible uh, for the idle? Uh, many businesses do not know that the SBA can still assist them as they grow. Uh, because if you're making uh, less than 15 million a year and have less than 500 employees, depending on your uh, industry, because that's really what, where the size standards come from, it's all industry specific. But generally speaking, uh, 15 million to 500 employees, if you're in that window, you still are considered small business. 
So that means that a lot of the programs that the SBA offers can assist you. And it's not just loans. You know, it's also access to federal contracting, which is huge. And as I told you, you know, the SBA's mission is to help businesses grow and create jobs. That's our mission. So we want, you know, successful businesses to work with us so they can do just that, so they can surpass that 500 employee mark. The bigger, the better. Uh, most, you know, private nonprofits, remember I told you before that that's something that's new to us. That was something that just wasn't uh, on our radar because at the end of the day, you know, we're out to help for profits grow. It's all about the economy and it's all about making money. Uh, a small business, you know, engaged in, you know, aquaculture, really big, uh, obviously in South Georgia. Uh, and now obviously agricultural uh, cooperatives were also eligible. There was a big push at one time that uh, the idle loans was just for uh, agricultural companies at one point in time because they wanted to keep America fed. So it was like, hey, we need to have a focus on making sure that that the food supply chain is still up and running uh, even though we're in a national pandemic. So how does you know, a business apply for the uh, idle loan? Really simple, disasterloan.sba.gov. It's all online, so do not, I repeat, do not mail an application in because it will not be received because no one's gonna be typing all that information in for you. So do not mail in an application. Believe it or not, it happens. Disasterloan.sba.gov. And as I stated earlier, this program is available up until December 31st, 2020. So I went over earlier, really, you know, some of the qualifications, you know, for the idle uh, loan. And as I stated, you know, several times, your 2000 19 tax return is going to be pivotal because it's really going to be the measuring stick to show that you have experienced an economic injury because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So, so what forms are needed? You know, I stated earlier that, you know, uh, the 3502 is actually, you know, the major uh, document that is the actual application actually that you have must submit uh, in order to even apply. But the, there is an IRS form uh, 4506 uh, for those who obviously, you know, already previously had documentation of their businesses and have a, you know, your tax ID number or whatnot. And if you have a uh, multiple employees, you know, the SBA form 2202 is going to be required, as well as the SBA form 1413. So at the end of the day, uh, whatever you were doing prior and have proved is going to make you eligible for this program. You're not going to be excluded uh, if you had an existing pro an existing business. And it had to be existing for a full year prior to uh, the pandemic. 
And as I stated earlier, the idol actually uh, is a little bit more flexible, uh, you know, where you don't have the 60 or 60% or 75% mandate in regards to how much can go to payroll is actually can be spread out over a larger uh, area of expenses uh, than the PPP. It's not as restrictive as the PPP. So uh, for more information in regards to just to fact check me or to find out a little bit more about you know, our organization and some of our other loan programs, uh, the SBA.gov is the national website. Uh, the SBA.gov slash GA is the Georgia District Office directly. And you also have the SBA.gov slash uh, coronavirus that where you can get a good amount of information. But everything goes through the treasury.gov slash cares. That's who knows the information first, and that's where the first publication of any assistance is going to come out of. It's the treasury.gov slash cares. So this is my contact information. So for those of you out there who may have uh, questions, you know, maybe multi-layered, uh, which I get a lot of those who just, just don't know whether or not, you know, what to ask, uh, feel free to send me an email, uh, which is the best way. So that is uh, J-E-N-N-E-L-L dot Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at SBA.gov. Now that number is the number to the Georgia District Office. That's not my direct line number uh, because I'm not always available, but we do have staff. So one of the other staff may be able to assist you. That's why I provided that number for you guys. So hopefully I gave enough information to be dangerous, as they say. <laughs> so I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I'm going to turn it back over to Ginger. Thanks so much, Mr. Taylor. I really appreciate it. We do have some questions that came in. If we, if I could have some more um, uh, time here, if you have some more time with us. Sure. Uh, this might be one of the multi-layer. First of all, thank you so much for that. And thank you to you and your staff and your team for all the overload, as you explained. We didn't, I don't yeah. think we all knew the 20% were serving 100%. So thanks. Working from, yeah, working from home, but still working. Yeah, working <laughs> overtime, overtime from home. So yeah. uh, uh, we have a question from one of our attendees. That might be one of those multi-layer questions that you talked about. And sure. I'll, I'll read it to you. You might be able to see it in the Q&A. But it says, um, the PPP FTE calculation question is this. It's, that's what it's in regard to. If we had an employee we terminated, and they do not qualify for any FTE exemptions or safe harbor, how do we count them for the FTE reduction if they still receive pay for four weeks of accrued PTO time after termination, but that was paid during the first four weeks of the covered period? So are they one full-time FTE reduction? Are they a 0.75 FTE reduction since they had 16 weeks of covered, but only four weeks of pay? Yeah, got to love those questions. <laughs> in that particular case, uh, you can only uh, document those four weeks. So the four weeks that the employee was actually engaged with the business, 
obviously are going to be free and clear. And I see that the concern is, you know, past the four weeks, what do I do? Remember, I said that there are some safe harbors, you know, and it sounds like that's a particular situation that's going to be in that gray area or that safe harbor where you will not be penalized because you have proof uh, of just that. Either the employee resigned uh, or just walked away from the position or whatever happened, it seems like that this would qualify as a safe harbor situation. So you should not be penalized. Thanks for that answer, and uh, that's from Kevin. And if, if you have additional follow-up question on that or need more detail, we do have uh, Mr. Taylor gave us his email address and suggested you can email him and perhaps get some deeper information on that one. So, uh, or ask a follow-up here. Um, here's a question. We, you know, we hear a lot that some of the funds may not be available, that we may have run out of funds. I'm not sure where some of that news comes from. Is Since the um, idle loans are still available through 12-31-2020, are there still funds available? Under the idle program, yes. And there is a, a word out that the there's a $250,000 limit on the idle. And that is the goal. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to say that's not true because we were told the same thing, but we were, when I SBA, but we were also told that the two million. So it's like, okay, well, how does someone get more than 250,000 if that's what they need, which happens, you know, you got some businesses that need 650,000, 1 million, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have never officially gave us uh the limit of 250,000. So if you need more than 250,000, you have to make a case for why that, and it, unfortunately you have to go through what we call the reconsideration process. Because there is a reconsideration process for those who uh, were just flat out denied or for those who didn't get enough. You know, you go through reconsideration and, and, and uh, explain why you need more than the 250,000. So they're trying to put, you know, some grips on it. I wish they'd put the grips more on the PPP side, to be honest with you. But trust me, they're going to be hiring a lot of auditors. Uh, and we have the best collection agency in the, in the, in the world, in the IRS. So uh, I'm just curious to see how all that's going to roll out in the near, you know, in the future. Great. Okay. So there is funds available for the idle loan, just not clarity yet on that limit. And the reconsideration is an option for getting additional uh, oversight into that. And let me say this, because this may be a question. It's kind of like a follow-up to that. Uh, okay. There was a program that rolled out called the Idle Advance, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Advance. And that was the grant portion of the idle. And it was anywhere between $1,000 and $10,000. And it was based off of the number of employees you had strictly. So if you were just a sole proprietorship, you got a $1,000 grant sent directly to your bank account. You know, so up to 10 employees, depending on how many you had, if you had over 10 employees, you still only got $10,000 in a uh, forgivable grant, which was forgiven. Uh, that program, uh, the funds have been depleted on the grant portion of uh, that particular 
idle advance. So there's been, there hasn't been any more money put into that program. That was one of those, uh, 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 I wanna say knee jerk reactions, you know, from the federal government in regards to trying to get out money to as many people as possible. There are a lot of people who got a thousand dollars, you know, two, three, four, depending on how many people they actually had working for them. But that particular program uh, has passed. I haven't, uh, or has been, uh, the funds have been depleted. Uh, and there hasn't been any talk of putting any more in that particular program. But as I said, that's just what it, what we know now. But there's supposed to be another spike later down, down in the, as we get into these winter months and, and who knows what's happening. You know, we're still, uh, you know, have a new plane on the runway that we're continuing to build. Well, yeah, I like that analogy that you gave us or metaphor. Uh, and that leads into one of the other questions. I don't know if you're able to answer this. Do you anticipate more stimulus programs in 2021? Yes. Uh, but who's going to be the service provider? I'm not sure. Uh, it seems that the IDLE, and that is the program that the SBA has directly, uh, that we are able to administer directly, that program is going to be available. Uh, we did get a lot of pushback from the banks, you know, as you can imagine, because, you know, all of the PPP applications, and it was like, hey, we don't have the staff to manage this whole thing. And, uh, and the, the SBA definitely did not have the staff. But as we're starting to wind it down, uh, I can see a refined program being rolled out. Um, but also, there's going to be a big push uh, for some of the other SBA funding programs that we have. Because what I explained today was just the disaster program. And that's the only reason why, you know, I didn't get into the other stuff is because I was asked to talk about disaster. But there are an arm long list of other uh, financial uh, loan programs that the SBA has uh, in their arsenal. And just to run down really quick, you know, you have the micro loan program, you have the community advantage uh, loan program, uh, you have the 7A loan program, and you also have the 504. So those, those particular loan programs are pretty much A to Z, you know, the micro loan program up to 50,000. That's basically the startup early stage. The community advantage is the next level from that up to 250. Once you really get going, then then you want to apply for a 7A after that, which is up to 5 million. And then, you know, you want to get a building. That's where the 504 comes in at. So it really depends on where you're at and your business growth. And as I stated earlier, the SPDCs are critical. Really work with those guys. You know, they're all industry uh, professionals, you know, master's degrees or higher that we hire to help you guys strengthen your business case and actually prepare you for funding because they know what our criteria, you know, what the criteria is to actually get some type of SBA assistance. So I highly recommend that you contact the University of Georgia's Small Business Development Center. And from what I understand, there's 18 centers throughout Georgia with the new one being at Morehouse College. Unfortunately, we're not able to have a big bang kickoff because of COVID-19, but I'm sure we'll make up for it somewhere down the line. 
Great. And, and, and if you're not in Georgia, are, do they locate those local service centers through the website? Actually, the SBDCs are a nationwide organization. So regardless of where you are, um, if you're in other countries, it's not a country, excuse me, other states, just find the SBDC, you know, it is still all SBA funded, or at least 50% is. Um, but the University of Georgia holds the contract for, the S, for that assistance, for that connection, the SBDC and, and SBA connection, the University of Georgia holds that. So now they have subcontracted a few of those locations out, like Clayton State, Kennesaw State, uh, like I said earlier, Morehouse uh, College. Um, those, they actually subcontract from UGA. But, but if you're in all, another state, yeah. it doesn't matter. Okay, great. Right. right. Uh, here's a question from one of our attendees. How do you get reconsideration, as you discussed? Who do you talk to? Where do you email? You mentioned the reconsideration. Yes, I'm going to give you guys an email uh, for the reconsideration. Actually, uh, better, better yet, I'm give you the I'm gonna give you an email and a phone number. Okay, the first email address I'm going to give you uh, is going to be f o c e c o m m c o v i d dash 19 at sba.gov. All right, I'm going to type now, it into, I'll type that into the chat window for everybody and it'll be all right, on the great. Chat. I'm just going to read it right back. I'm going to read it right back make sure that you yeah. have the right yeah. thing. Yeah. F-O-C-E-C-O-M-M-C-O-V-I-D dash 19 at sba.gov. Yeah. And the phone number is going to be 800-659-2955. So 800-659-2955. Okay, great. And uh, Stephanie had asked that question. I'll make sure I put it in the chat. It'll also be in the recap article on dscoop.com. So we'll take care of that for everybody. Uh, I've got a few more questions. We've got a few more minutes, if that's okay. Let's see. Now, when you send that email, you must have an application number. Do not send a random email. You have, must have an application number. And if you, if you don't know what that number is, I advise you to call that phone number or look at the email response that you received in your denial or whatever, but you must submit the application number. That's very important. Yeah. Yes, okay. Very how important. Else, yeah. How else? Otherwise, you, you will not get a response back. That's good. Okay. That's great. Um, I don't know. You may have answered this. Uh, when will businesses need to begin filling out the forms for the forgiveness and, and submit to lender? Is that 10 months after the PP they took out their loan? You can start the forgiveness process immediately after that eight or 24 week disbursement period, which means any, well, I get you well, now you can because it was actually the window for forgiveness is, has opened. Okay. So now the lenders are accepting forgiveness applications currently. Okay. And then let's see what else. Do you know if most businesses who spent their funds in accordance to the program will be forgiven the loans? Do you have any sense of that? The answer is, I'm going to be, uh, 
You can, you don't optimistic have to. Optimistic okay. because I'm going to think everyone is honest, John or Jane, and that all your numbers and everything adds up and you have proof of all of the expenses, you know, that you have. Uh, even, you know, I get this question a lot, you know, can 100% of the of PPP actually be used for forgiveness? And the answer is yes. Remember, the 60 to 75% was the minimum amount, the minimum. Now, if you use all of it for payroll, then so be it. But you just have to justify that that you is the same payroll the year prior. The same what? You broke up for a minute. The same payroll? The same payroll cost. Same payroll cost. Okay. From, the, from 2019. It has to match up. That's why I was saying that you can't, you couldn't give yourself a raise during during the COVID pandemic. You know, it has to match up with what you were getting paid last year. Okay, that makes really good sense. Yes. I'll see what else we have here. Uh, we answered that. We answered that. You you did say that um, PPE. I know it's over now, but it did support nonprofits as well. That seemed like a new thing that SBA yeah. did, right. Definitely, yeah, yeah, it's a new thing, man. It's like I said, double the workload. But at the end of the day, you know, we're in unprecedented times, so you know, we all had to pull together, right? Yes, I'm sure, and I know that that was a that's a tough industry to be in because people who donate were also suffering. So, absolutely, yeah. I got one more here that looks like it wasn't answered. It seems that more businesses qualified for PPP than idle is that so and why would that be that comes down to the borrower or the applicant uh there were a lot of people who put down what they said what they needed to say to get the funds now whether or not uh they gave valid information or not i don't know we will see but i'm just going to tell you that there was a lot of people misrepresenting their business injury or even how successful their businesses was in 2019 hmm. and they received funds but that's not for me to uh to figure out you know uh that's that's for that's between the irs and the borrower and the lender uh because remember i was telling you guys earlier it's it's the bank's money on the ppp side it's not the federal government's money the federal government is just guaranteeing the loan, the, the lending at 100%. So the federal government is only gonna pay it back in the event that, uh, you know, if everything goes as it's supposed to go, the federal government would have nothing to do with it. But in the event that we have to get involved, we pay back all of those funds back to the bank so that they do not, you know, uh, have an economic injury themselves. That brings up a good point. If people did receive the loan, they do have to pay taxes on it. Yes, they do. Yeah, okay. I Let's see, it looks like there's one more question in our, uh, oh, I'm sorry. If I used all of my PPP for payroll already, can I then use IDLE for continued payroll payments? And if so, for how long can I do that? All that's gonna have to be outlined um in your 3508 uh and it's all about receipts okay keeping your receipts you know if you need those loan funds to continue paying your employees uh that's obviously an appropriate usage of funds as long as you can document that's where the funds went 
They're just trying to make sure the funds didn't go towards, you know, buying a boat or buying jet skis or a Bentley or something. You know, they're just trying to make sure that it's a business expense. So as long as you can prove it's a business expense, uh, I think you're going to be okay. That's great. Okay. I don't see any opened questions right now. Thank you for great. all that great information. I am going to share my screen for a second as we say goodbye to our participants, and that will allow me to simply thank everybody for attending. As I said, this will be our, our recording on dscoop.com in just a couple of days. We'll send you a link. I'm sure there's lots of people you want to share. This was packed filled with information. Thank you so much, Mr. Taylor. All right, you're uh, welcome. We would uh, like our attendees to take a minute to complete the short survey you'll receive. We have some exciting news coming up. Uh, we're going to have the DScoop Edge Virtual Summit, October 22 and 23. Here's the link. And of course, it's going to be on our website. We all already have a conference page. Registration's open. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, if we didn't get to your questions, um, please feel free to e email those to us or post them on our forum. We will, now that we have Mr. Taylor's uh, email address, we will send those over and hopefully it's a, we can get some answers for you if needed. And last but not least, we add educational sessions every week. We've had 57 DScoop webinars since March and we are still going right up until our virtual summit and beyond. And so if you have some topics you'd like to hear from, please let us know. We'll do our best to get them to you. And thanks again to Janelle. We certainly appreciate it. That's all I got. All right. We're going to say goodbye. We're available for you. We wish everybody to stay safe, stay well, and we will see you on our next topic. Bye for now.